All right, welcome to the Patriarchy Podcast. I am Roger. This is Jip. Hola. This is Sersley. Yep. And we're going to kick things off with our opener today. The worst video game you enjoy, the objectively worst video game you know, nobody likes that you actually enjoy. And I will start with myself this week, since you pointed out I never open on these, so fine. I It's a little game on PS2 that I played so much. Never got past, like, stage four on because I always played it when I was drunk in college. But it's a great drunken college game, and it's called Stuntman. It's a driving <laughs> game on PS2. It's objectively terrible. The controls are awful for a driving game. It's, it's like, just... Oh, is this... Is this a sequel to Driver? No, it might PS1? be. I, I think it might be. It's okay. in that thing. But but it's the stages are really tiny, and it's like, mm-hmm. go here and hit the boxes and do a U-turn and then hit right. the ramp. And Don't and, destroy your car, though, right? Right. Don't destroy your car. Don't Dude, go off the track. I played that game drunk, too. This is yeah. so weird. <laughs> <laughs> and anytime I played it sober, I'm like, this is garbage. This yeah, is a garbage game. Exactly. <laughs> but drunk, it was great. And I must have put, I don't know, at least oh. a couple dozen hours in that game. Never it's, like, it's like the C Lab 2021 <laughs> of, of video games. Yeah, it's terrible. It's better <laughs> Unless <when> you're drunk. You're drunk. <laughs> so that's my awful game. I would never recommend it. Awful game that is that I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, I was going to say Monster Hunter World. Because that's also an awful game to try to get into, but it, a lot of people objectively think it's a good. A lot of people I like it, it, though, yeah. yeah. All right, so seriously, what do you have? I'm going to go with something that is a good game, but the bugs are really bad in it. Okay. So going back to the GameCube, uh, Star Wars Rogue Leader. Uh, so you're flying X-Wings around, and it was actually a really, really good game, except... There were just tons of bugs in this Not game. Rogue Squadron. Rogue Squadron but Rogue Leader. An amazing game. Is that right? And, and and that's the thing. Rogue Leader, I think, was actually the sequel to Rogue Squadron. Oh, okay. And I I loved Rogue Squadron, but Rogue Leader just had tons and tons of bugs in it, which made some of the missions like you could beat all the missions, but it was basically impossible to get the gold medal on any of the missions unless you played the mission like a thousand times. Okay, and these are bugs that are, that are burned into the plastic disc forever. Yes. Yeah, okay, was exactly. The, this is not a time. modern game where they can just <laughs> download a patch and fix it. It's like, no, this is... And, like, the biggest issue was, like, there are several missions where you had to destroy certain things and not other things. But sometimes you'd shoot at the thing and your laser would go through the thing you were shooting at and hit the thing behind it. Which you're probably you not think, supposed to shoot. And you <laughs> exactly. liked this. And you said, this is, this is the game for me. It, but I love Star Wars... I love the universe. I really enjoyed the game. I really enjoyed getting to fly all these space fighters. So okay, are you okay. going to play Squadron? Sidebar. Sidebar yeah. Squadron. I've, I've purchased Squadron. I'm waiting for my joystick to arrive. It arrives tomorrow. Okay. I can, you... I can vouch for the game. It is objectively amazing. Now, do I have to have a joystick, Jip? Is that going to be no, necessary? No. I mean, I played, so I played X-Wing back when I was a child with mouse and keyboard, so I've had a lot of practice with that setup. It may be that, you know, you probably want to have a joystick. Um, okay. if, if you haven't, you know, done one of these before with mouse and keyboard. But it is, despite all the review bombing that you'll see online, it, it's not true. It is actually a good game from EA. Surprise. Why are people bombing it? Why are people bombing it? Um, unclear. Uh, there's a lot of people saying it's full of uh, SJW propaganda, which I honestly don't see. Like I, I, I don't, I don't understand what they're talking about. 
targeting white privilege. Fire. It's, Fire. Yeah, very strange. There's none of that in it. It's just Star Except Wars. Except like it's just female pilots. Female pilots. Big no-no, I guess. In I, your fantasy space game with laser swords. Or something. Yeah, I don't even know what, what the whites are mad about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm but, looking forward yeah. to playing it. There we go. Good. Jip, what is your game? Okay, I'm I'm okay, I'm gonna go with it was kind of a toss up between two, but I'm gonna go with Desert Commander for the NES. That is a sequel. That's the helicopter game, right? No 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 no. This this is um basically Axis and Allies. Um oh. imagine trying to play Axis and Allies with a, a full board of like a hundred units, except you have to move each one individually each turn. That- that is using, some young Grognard <laughs> burgeoning strategy gamer stuff there. Using using the D-pad on, on an NES controller and, and nothing else. <laughs> I mean, no quick save, nothing like that. So you no. move one wrong, you're like, Gah! yeah, yeah, controller smash, yeah. No, it's objectively the, one of the most terrible control schemes for any game. And it took, it, it could take um, up to an hour to do a turn because you have to individually move each tile. You know, you're like B button, up, up, left, left, B button, and then you got to move wow. down to your next. <laughs> it was so, so your hell. friends were like, "What the hell is Nobunaga's ambition?" I can't figure this out. You're like, "Oh, have I got the game for you?" <laughs> yeah. I totally played this game. I like this is like one of the I'm first games I've Hold rented on. from uh-huh. a Blockbuster. Oh yeah, and, and took God, I hated it. It was terrible. <laughs> I, mean, I was like six at the time. I had no idea how to play it, and I had oh, like, yeah. a day. Because it was rented, but I remember despising this game. You couldn't play an entire game of this in one day. It's not possible. Oh, I played this. <laughs> I recognize the tiles. I also rented this. It was terrible. Yeah, no. <laughs> Love this. Love this. What, what it, was, is- it was Advance Wars before there was right, Advance Wars. Right, right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And I love this style of game. Just this... And and maybe those wouldn't exist without this, but this is just a terrible game. Yeah. <laughs> a terrible implementation. <laughs> right. There was another version of a game like that that had like a six by six hex grid system. I remember oh, you're talking about um, Herzog's Fi? No, that's that's okay. not a grid system. That was that was the first RTS ever made, and it was amazing on that's Genesis. True. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're moving on. We're moving. Wow, that was a deep cut there. Herzog's Vi for. You know, <laughs> That's so deep. Bringing uh, so it back. So I had no life as a yeah. child. Just saying. Not if you're playing that game to completion. <laughs> All right. So let's get into this debate. Okay. Hot takes. Here we go. I'm going to start with you, Jip. What's your hot take on the debate? It helped no one. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like the, the only thing that I took from this debate was that actually it's not just something that I took. The, the polling that was done after the debate showed that what changed was undecideds. <laughs> and where'd they change though? Um, the increased, increased. So people, people- Oh, were more, more undecided. Right. Fewer, <laughs> fewer people had reached the decision and more people had decided not to vote. <laughs> well done. To this debate. So um, now having more people decide not to vote is actually a win for both parties because both of them, it's in their interest to shrink the electorate. But regardless- Ah, um, uh, that's some big brain conspiracy theory right there. I, I see what you're doing there. I see what you did. But okay, um, well, well, we'll get back into details. Okay. That's your hot take. That's yeah. your hot take. Seriously, what's your hot take? Uh, so first of all, I do want to point out for all of our listeners, we all watched this. We were all texting back and forth to do it through it. 
We watched the whole thing and mm-hmm. painful. I want my time back. I want to be able to write in Chris Wallace. I think he did a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> he did the best. Well, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to go off question. Have you guys watched the Saturday night live cold open from Saturday yet? No, no. I'm surprised. So not only is it like it. more viewers than they've had in a decade, it's the funniest thing I've seen them do in a decade. Oh, wow. Um, did they make fun of both sides? They tend to They get did make fun of both sides, and they that. had Jim Carrey being Biden and Alec Baldwin being Trump. Trump. He right, does a pretty good Trump. Yeah. Well, Jim Carrey does an amazing Biden. I was very <laughs> impressed. Oh, um, and they made fun of Wallace, too, with lines like, stop interrupting, or I will do absolutely nothing to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that's my hot take, is uh, the moderator was completely useless. Okay, okay. I... Uh... I, I felt bad because I have, you know, I'm finally to the point where I'm kind of, I feel like I'm coming out of the closet, like with coworkers and people like, yeah, I'm voting for Trump. Like the, the, the nation's on fire in many areas. Uh, Democratic policies are failing and, uh, you know, Pelosi, haircut, gate, all that you can see. I'm not voting for this party. So I have to vote for Trump because when one party's actively my enemy, the, I will vote for the asshole who's on my side. But man, what an asshole. Like, God, that debate, it made it really hard, really hard. My wife and I looked at each other we're like, we can't vote for this guy. We were, we were just, but our, if our choice is Biden and Kamala Harris, who I think is God awful, which can be another episode in general there, I guess I have to, but how ugly, how ugly is this? Um, so I think it Joe was Jorgensen, a man. No, Do it. I, I, I thought that <laughs> Trump lost because mm-hmm. he had more to lose yeah yeah he biden came in, had yeah. much less mm-hmm. to lose yeah. biden could have stayed at home and everybody would still be fine mm-hmm. in fact they could have put trump up there on stage alone no biden and that would have been a net gain for biden yeah because <laughs> trump would have just been an asshole by himself on stage uh just arguing with the moderator for no reason mm-hmm so my initial reaction was that. My initial reaction was Trump lost the debate. And he did make some significant mistakes. It's not the reaction of the American public. The American public tends to think he won, strangely enough. But go well, on. I've seen both ways. And, but that's the thing. So I was convinced uh, by another podcast I listened to that when it comes to actually persuading voters, Trump won. Really? And he won because he was alpha. See, I right. see it the other way. I see it as, yeah, he won. If you point a gun in my head and said, who won the debate? Who made better arguments? Who stood their ground? Who had more, I guess, moxie and statistics, whatever, to back up there? Well, then, yeah, Trump. Trump won the debate. But if you put me in a boxing read with your granddad, I'll probably win the fight. Doesn't mean people are going to cheer for me. <laughs> right. right? But, but again, so, this is – this is beyond the intellectual level. It's even at some point beyond like a, who do you like? It's a, who do you want to be negotiating against Putin? Mm, okay. Because there are no ground rules when you're negotiating with Putin or with Xi in China or with, you know, whatever bad person you want to talk about. I think on the day of the week, Xi's a very fine man or not, uh, depending on what mood Trump's in. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah but but I get no, it. just, I, I think that Trump's, literal domination over the moderator over biden I, I i don't think it's a good thing that he did that but i think it will actually 
cause a lot of people to vote for him. And there's also the the normie effect, right? Like I thought about this too. Uh, I watched it again, and I, I tried my best to put myself in the shoes of of a normie. Just watches some CNN every once in a while. Thinks Trump's a terrible person. Thinks Biden's a decent guy. Doesn't keep up with the news. Um, that kind of vote. Uh, mm -hmm. viewer. And whenever I saw Trump at the very beginning say, you know, you're not going to be running anything. They're going to be running it for you. Like he just, he just, bam. He leads threw, with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he threw his penis on the table with that. And, and Biden did not say you're full of crap. And here's why, here's why I am the leader we need. He, cause he didn't do that. I think that if I were a normie, I'd be like, wait, what is Trump saying? Can Biden not lead? Oh, no, Biden can lead. And then Biden's silent on that. I'm like, wait, Biden, come on. You're going to take that? So maybe maybe that wasn't – Trump didn't say that for me. I already know that's the game, right? Get Kamala in. But for your normie who doesn't know the game is get Kamala in, uh, maybe that struck a chord with a lot of middling voters who don't really keep up with the news. Maybe that maybe that actually struck a chord, and that's how people think that he came off stronger. Whenever I thought he came off just saying the same old, same old. Yeah, well, but how many people of, like that were actually watching the debate? That's that's <laughs> the thing. I think a lot of minds. Like I was saying this, and this is exit polling after a debate. Like, how reliable is it? But um, no minds were changed. People were just discouraged. Is is what that data tends to suggest. So well, and oh, in fact, terrible. so there there is one winner to the debate, maybe, and that was Joe Jorgensen. Right. Yeah, yeah. Website actually went down during the debate from the number of people checking out the Libertarian Third party. party yeah. Which, um, I, on behalf of my father, I have to say, please, Joe Jorgensen, load test your website. Make sure it doesn't go down. <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, seriously, I, I could see if there's more debates like that, it will help every third party out there. Hmm. Because people are just going to go, I can't vote for Trump, but I can't vote for Biden either. Right. No, I mean, there's there's a huge contingent of potentially, I'll call them uh, ashamed Bernie voters that were offered. Are you are you one of them? Harris. Are you one of them, Chip? Well, no, of course I'm going to vote third party. I'm not I'm not like quiet about that. Yeah. But um, there's, you know, like they're talking about the uh, the silent Trump voter. There's also probably a large contingent of silent Bernie voters that are going to either not vote or vote third party. And figures I've seen uh, up to like 26 million potentially. And th these I people, these are the people that were offered Harris and, and resoundingly, <laughs> roundly rejected her. And they don't like Biden either. So she know, was think, literally the worst pick, I think, out of all of the Democratic lineup. The DNC. Yes, there were other women Bad of picks. color. There were other women of color who were who were fine. Right. right? You could have you could but have picked Warren. Have, she's native. Right. She's Native American. You're perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, yeah, there were there were plenty of other um, women of color they could have picked too. But for some reason, I don't know. Like, does she have dirt? On Biden, like, what's the deal there? It just doesn't make any sense to me. She got to lock him up, throw away the key, then laugh about it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't get the Kamala pick. It was a turnoff for a lot of people. Uh, the black community that I run with does not like Kamala Harris. They think that she's a bad person. So it's it's just I don't, right. I, I don't hear anybody cheering for Kamala. No, I do hear no. some people thinking that this is not a Trojan Kamala that we got going on. I think it's Trojan Kamala with Biden, but. Yeah, it's. I mean, who doesn't really think weird. that with Biden about to turn seventy nine? For God's sake. <laughs> <laughs>
some people some people just think that like who who believes that antifa is just an idea right but that's biden he's like, antifa is just an idea like are, are, you, are you out of, i'm gonna i'm gonna take this molotov and throw it in your face and see how much this idea hurts right like it's just there are people who need to believe they're just no. like oh of course he's not gonna die who's ever had a president die while running for office that's not what happens i'm sure the doctors checked him out i mean it's yeah of course Where's my paycheck? No, they don't die <laughs> during office. They die 30 days after getting elected. <laughs> right. So um, I don't – I think that people are just – they're just normies. They're just normies. Yeah, just, that, was your, that was your favorite president, right? Seriously? Yeah. yeah. I, I chose not to say him when the question was asked. <laughs> so but he makes the top five. Yeah, I think we talk about the state of debate a lot, but I just – yeah, both of you are voting third party, right? I'm the only, I'm the only real American here, right? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, I'm I'm probably gonna vote for Joe. Okay, good luck to you. I'm gonna vote for Trump. I'm gonna, I'm like gonna I probably said. write in Tulsi or something. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I love Tulsi, man. God, I would have voted for her in a heartbeat. Trump, I do believe, is right when he says they're not after him; they're after me. He's just in the way. I do I do kind of think that. I mean, I really do because the I mean, stuff they're after the, him too. Right, but the stuff that the but the stuff that the uh, but as he says, I can take it. Right. Well, yeah, um, he, he kind of winks at you. He knows he, he knows he's in on it a little bit too. Right. And he's right, letting you know that that's his thing. Is like he's like, yeah, I'm making a killing here. This is what we do. Right. And but, then everybody else is like, well, you're not supposed to say that out loud. Right. Right. And so I just I think that the ideology of the hard left is so. Uh, toxic and scary that I cannot be part of that anymore, even though there are things in the left like that I agree with, but I can't, I'm going to join the pro-lifers, even though I'm not pro-life. I'm going to join the death penaltyers, even though I'm not for the death penalty, because they still think two plus two equals four. And they don't think that it's white power to show up to work on time. Like, uh, so, um, and just, I, I'm sorry, I got to explain that reference for some of our, listeners. Oh yeah, go, go for it. Yeah. Yes, explain there it to are grandma. actually, Sorry. There are actually people out there who have been teaching like in schools, in universities, in corporate America, that it's a white cultural thing to show up to work on time, which is a bunch of racist bullshit. But they, they put it, objectivity in that as well. The idea that you can objectively look at reality. Is this, or are we referring to the um, Smithsonian black? Smithsonian put out, yeah. But that, but <laughs> but Jip, that real fast. But but Jip, Jip, that's a long time coming. That wasn't an out of nowhere mm. thing. You, I, I, this was stuff I saw ten years ago coming through the pipeline. It's all Frankfurt School. It's all very, um, very critical theory. Uh, you know, the sort of question everything and nothing is sacred attitude towards investigation. And uh, it leads to this. Nothing is nothing. When I say nothing is sacred, you're like, well, yeah, you should, that's subjectivity. No, not whenever human life isn't sacred, right? Not whenever your own family isn't sacred. Not whenever uh, racism, you know, we, we can be openly racist now, right? We can openly say white people are inherently evil. Um, these sort of things that nothing is sacred, so everything is on the table in this sort of new thing. And yeah, it's it's gross. And right now, if I sound like a crazy person in a tinfoil hat, keep in mind I was talking about Antifa a decade ago. Uh, I was. Yeah, I hadn't heard about them a decade ago. Yeah, I was talking about Black Lives. Well, I called them the Black Block back then. It was it was off of the the uh, Wall Street protests with the the ninety nine percent or what they call it, sit in on Wall Street or whatever it was called. 
Black Are you talking about Occupy Wall Street? Occupy Wall Street, yeah. Black yeah. Block okay. first made their name. Far, in. far more widespread and a threat than right, right. I agree. Now, well, they they closed that up real quick. Uh, and, the point uh, is, I hope I'm wrong. I hope yeah. I'm wrong. That's all I'm saying. But I'm usually not. On this yeah, we'll see. Well, I'm just saying that you know, in the recent past, this has happened before, and it's been worse. So I'm not too concerned yet. But yeah, Obama, he's he shut down that uh, Occupy Wall Street. Oh yeah, Democrat. Yeah, Biden gets in. There's a couple things. There's there's a part of me that secretly hope Biden wins because two things are going to happen. All the rioting is going to stop. Oh yeah, the left Overnight. loves the left <laughs> loves excessive force, even if it's against the left. Well, and you're not going to get footage of the APCs rolling through these city right. centers either. Nope, nope. Nobody not. saw when Occupy got removed, and it was quick. It was like yep. within a week. It was just yep. Gone. And then, yeah, the media will be in their press boxes. They'll be in their little uh, freedom areas. Thanks, thanks, Bush, for that, uh, <laughs> for that trope. But uh, then we, then what will also happen is COVID will be miraculously no longer a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so, see, I disagree. Even the conspiracy theorist to me thinks they're going to keep COVID around for a couple of years at least. I think so. I think the economy can handle COVID being around for a couple of years. No, but that doesn't mean it won't stick around anyway if the again that's the conspiracy theorist part of me i'm not sure that's really going to happen okay well we've talked this to death so we'll move on but that was the debate all right so anyways uh let's move on to nerdy stuff trump has been nominated three times for the nobel peace prize by this one guy no 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 it's three different people but all like from norland right i think i think it's like denmark sweden and somewhere else but uh it's it's all all Norlandian. hard left countries, am I right? All Norway. Well, okay, hold on. We got to clarify there because Sweden is often touted as this like far left utopia. We should do more yeah. medical care like Sweden. We should. Do that's any Sweden. of them: Finland, Norway, Sweden, all that. But yeah. when, but that's that's a lie. All three of those nations are make America look progressive. They are very pro-capitalist, uh, pretty much right wing when it comes to their economy. Uh, but they have socialized health care. But yeah, I don't know. You're, you're, you're not, you miss me with that. I'm there with you, bro. I think it's stupid that we don't. I think our healthcare is broken. That's a different episode. That'll be and actually, 22. The, the third nomination was from some Australian law professors. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's the new one. That's the new one. Um, do, you, do you have the other two so you can fact check me? Uh, I, I, I can't find the story, but I do remember at least one of them. Yeah, it was somebody in one Scandinavia of the Scandinavia land. Yeah. This is just this is hilarious to me because they're all three legitimate. Like one of the, the Australian law professor, I believe, was saying he hasn't started any new foreign wars. He's the first American president. Well, I think, uh, I think it's started probably because wars. of the uh, the UAE and Israel peace summit. That, 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 that was one out. of them. That was which one is, of them. Which is really incredible, actually, because now other oil emirates are signing on. Um, it's just unheard of, um, you know, since the formation of the state of Israel for these countries to be talking to each other. So I right. mean, that's a legitimate reason to give someone a peace prize as opposed to the Obama uh, peace prize. Yeah, he got he it received for, for doing literally nothing. Or hope and change. He, he wasn't Bush. I mean, he Bush. was literally, wasn't he in office for like weeks when he got that? Like, And he would have had to have been nothing. nominated the year before. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, a complete I think- farce. I think this is more like, uh, look, he actually does some stuff. So we got <laughs> yeah. to at least think about this, right? So there's that. And there's also the no new foreign wars thing. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, I, that's the Australian one, I believe, is that you know he's kind of been a chain, a global leader in non 
military. Right. Knowledge. He's had every opportunity to start several wars and yeah. has not. The most you can talk, accuse him of is the Yemen situation, which what is right. Yemen exactly? Well, that's in, uh, that's in, started in, by that's, Obama. Right. right. That's inaction, not you know starting anything. Right. So um, and and the bombing of Syria, we were kind of misled on that, but that's that's a conspiracy theory rabbit hole. So we're not going to do that today. Um, but yes, the. At any rate, uh, I think this is legit. I mean, this is not a joke. This is not a farce. I think that it's it's legitimate acknowledgement of, like, whenever people, like, what is it? Uh, one of our friends, Alan, I'm not going to give last names here, but one of our friends, Alan, he, he continually used to ask me, what has Trump done whenever I'd say I'd vote for him? He's like, you're not voting for him because he did anything. And I, I would list among his many credentials that he hasn't started new wars which is an action in america to be an executor who does not start new wars who says no to the military industrial complex it actually takes action that is an act you have to do and that's one of the things i often credit trump for and so i think this is legitimate and were he to win it i would support that decision i don't know if he can just because how much much of the liberal world is against him but it would be nice so I got interested in this after it was on the topic. So I went to the actual nobelprize.org website. And okay. first of all, it's it's kind of crazy how many people get to oh, yeah. make nominations. Like basically any full professor of history, social science, law, philosophy, theology, or religion can make a nomination. Anywhere. <laughs> Anywhere. <laughs> well. Um, the Jim, member, don't you have a doctorate? Can't you do that? And, <laughs> no, and any member of a national assembly or a national government, cabinet members, ministers, congressmen can make a nomination. So like, and this so is why they it? also say approximately 200 to 300 people get nominated every year. And in fact, I saw a story, somebody nominated Biden for one. I don't know what for. <laughs> um, for. For bombing Libya. That's great. He, he remembered where he was that one time. So and that's he, the thing. He helped like, out Corn Pop. Corn me, pop. This, <laughs> Nominate corn pop. All right. To me, this this is a real just nothing. Like the bigger story is that there's, you know, people willing to admit that they nominated Trump than the fact that Trump got nominated. <laughs> I like that too. No. But then again, they're they're those Scandinavian type countries. Australia just didn't give a damn. It's the Texas of the world, so I, that doesn't surprise me. That's my take on that and where it came from. The Australian thing's just weird, but Australians are weird. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, well, this is a situation where so, he legitimately like earned the the award, um, unlike so, many other. So, is that Jim, a first for Trump, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so, what is uh, as one of my friends said, this presidency is the first job he's ever had to apply to. I'm like, right. Oh, yeah. right, yeah, that's a good point. So, but he did win. He did win the application process. Um, when I first brought this up, you were like, ah, you know, it's more Israel stuff, and you tend to kind of poo-poo on Middle East Israel stuff as being nothing nothing new, nothing new to see here. So you think this is legitimately new? You think it's legitimately a different Yeah, the, the peace summit um, between the, the oil emirates and Israel, I mean, that's that's a legitimate, like, polit uh, diplomatic coup for Trump, the Trump mm -hmm. administration. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and, and the, what's your value judgment? Value judgment. Oh, what do you mean? Good? Is this a good thing? Is this a net big gain for the world? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, why? I mean, less war in the Middle East is good. Okay. <laughs> in general, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. All right. I mean, I'm for less war in the Middle East. I'm against pretty much every war America's ever fought since the Revolutionary War. 
Yeah, but I mean, same here. The, the, the politicalization of the Nobel Peace Prize, the, some of the people who've gotten it as well, like, it just doesn't matter to me the way it is when yeah. I was 12. That's what I was saying. The Nobel Peace Prize is kind of a farce at this point. Yeah, okay. What about, um, so, no, I want to, no legitimate war, so civil, the civil war is just that war of northern aggression, is that what we're saying here? I mean, it's a terrible, it's a terrible war that was, that was, you know, a needless waste of hundreds of thousands of human lives. I mean, you know, that, that, from that perspective. I'm not going to be okay. like, yay, civil war, you know. Very few people are, but I get it. So well, that's a different rabbit hole. You know what? We will explore that a different time because now we got to talk about the Pope. Let's talk about the Pope. I feel a little bit like a girlfriend uh, trying to get, get a boyfriend to fight with somebody in a bar. Like I got my two Catholic friends here. Come on, guys. I got my Catholic libertarian, my Catholic socialist here. Come on, y'all need to fight over this. So Pope Pope criticizes capitalism. Can you, can you Cathals, explain this to me? What is the Pope on about? All I know is my wife was a little bit miffed. So, so I want to start off with a little bit of education for grandpa about okay. infallibility. Catholic okay. teaching on infallibility says when the Pope authoritatively teaches on faith or morals, he cannot teach incorrectly. Okay. He doesn't necessarily know the truth to teach it, but if he's going to teach it, the Holy Spirit will make sure what he teaches is correct. Importantly, he is, it only applies to matters on faith and morals. It doesn't apply to say algebra it doesn't apply to economics. It doesn't apply to physics. What so, if that algebra is racist and trying to tell me two plus two equals four? And I'm being halfway joking because I see <laughs> you're giving yourself an out here by saying this is about <laughs> economics. But no really, the, here. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. Parts of it are about economics and parts of it are not. So, for example, when what he is says, it? What is it? First of all, y'all explain what it. is it? Yeah. So the, uh, the Pope has released a new encyclical. Uh, I am not going to try to pronounce the name in Latin because it sucks. Um, it's something about brotherhood. And, and I have not read this thing because it's very, very, very long. Um, we are not, we are in no position to discuss this. So seriously, tell us what it's about. So again, I have not read this whole thing. I have read parts of it, and parts of it I actually really like. Um, the stuff that I read that was you know cribbed for me by websites, I tend to think he, if I wanted to get angry at him being anti-capitalist, I could. But on the other hand, he seems to be just saying, be careful, be nice, and, and capitalism is not a moral solution. And, and I mean, so for example, and here's a quote, the marketplace by itself cannot resolve any, cannot resolve every problem. And he's right. The marketplace cannot resolve every problem. It can resolve some. It cannot resolve all of them. It cannot resolve how to run a family. That's not a marketplace. So he's totally right about that. And he's totally right about there's a lot of hatred. There's a lot of bad things happening in the world because people are hating their brothers and sisters instead of trying to love them. So I, I actually, most of this that I've read and I did start at the beginning and read, I mean, there's some, there's some real good things in here. And I say that as somebody who has not always loved our current Pope. Um, he's the Pope. I respect him. I'm going to follow his teachings on faith and morals, but I, I miss John Paul II and I miss Benedict the 16th. 
Okay. Jip, do you have a takeaway from this? Did you look at this at all? Um, I haven't, but I mean, he's said similar things in the past. I haven't looked at this particular encyclical. I mean, he is um, the commie pope. That's what I keep being told all the time. Well, I mean, he comes out of South American culture. Um, that was protest culture. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, and for good reason, right? I mean, they're, right. they were horribly abused by, here's my scare quotes, capitalism or capitalists, et cetera. Um, Various dictators wearing whatever flags, right. flags they want to wear. Whatever, whatever dictator would cooperate with uh, the CIA. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Anyway, um, the uh, the message here, I mean, it's no different than anything he said, like in the past. He's been very consistent um, in his sort of cautions about relying on the market to provide moral a moral compass for you know how to run a society so i don't think there's anything new here i don't know why people are surprised outraged whatever i mean if you look at the teachings of jesus and and what pope francis is saying about you know economics i mean there's i don't think there's much of a disconnect here so i mean i'm actually i hadn't heard this i I heard this was coming out i had not heard it was coming out until you brought it up i'm quite fascinated by this and again it what I've seen, the economic portion of it is maybe a dozen paragraphs of the, again, over 280 paragraphs. I think there's a lot of good in this from what I've seen. And I think people would be better for reading upon it and meditating upon it. I mean, I'm, I think- a, I'm a big fan of Pope Francis in general. My, my only hang up with him is on the, uh, you know, the, the pedophilia in the church. He's been kind of weak on that. But so is every general, pope. There's know, only been one one strong pope on that, and that was Benedict. And he got run out <laughs> because of it. Yeah, so yeah. he dug too deep. Yeah, yeah he saw he, he saw the truth too deeply. <laughs> yes. So the title of this section was going to be "Trump has COVID," but it's already done. <laughs> He's he had COVID. He no longer does. I don't know. Um, and everybody was mad that he had it. Now they're mad that he doesn't have it. It's just a lot of. Um, uh, a lot of emotions. We're an emotional roller coaster now. The man moves it's a quick. Cage of emotion. Yeah, yeah. The the man moves quick. Too quick for our American emotional sensibilities nowadays. So, Cersei, can you fill us in, or Jip, or which whoever wants to jump in and fill us in on the current status of our uh, POTUS here? So uh, he still has COVID, at least by the standard definition. He Is that still how has that symptoms. Works? Is it like and... alcoholism? Uh, I think the official thing is you have it until you have two negative tests. Gotcha. And I mean, but he, he still has a fever. He's still going to get an injection tomorrow from what I've heard. Oh, you have the magic, um, magic sauce. That's right. So yeah. what, what's interesting is like literally if you look this up, so he was released from the hospital just a little while ago and he's already pissing people off because he like went on to a very public place in the White House and took off his mask. <laughs> and he, ah! He's and clearly still contagious, right? I mean, there's he's clearly, yes. He's not like, still and, contagious. And like my Facebook feed is going crazy with people <laughs> complaining about this. Oh, and I it's like, he's, he's literally crazy. standing by himself yeah. when he's doing this. Like he, I don't care if he's contagious. Like there's nobody within 20 feet of him you know, it's probably actually not that dangerous, but just everybody's like, oh my God, he took off his mask. I mean, love he's it. leaving this trail of COVID everywhere he goes. I love it. Uh, I, oh, so we both have two different opinions here already. Fight, fight, fight. So, um, 
I, I I love Trump and COVID. The, the thing that got me, and I was just like, the media is taking any pot shots they can. This is mainstream media hysteria. Well, he was treating it lightly by not wearing a mask. That's not how you get COVID. You don't get COVID by not wearing a mask. You prevent yourself spreading it, right? And they're like, well, he didn't wear it. And then they had to backtrack. And the next story was, because he didn't wear a mask, he spread COVID to all the reporters because they also have it. I'm like, the dude had daily tests as president. He was not the one spreading it. It got spread to him. Yeah, there's there's actually, like, if you look at the WHO guidelines, it's like he was following those, right? not other guidelines. And there's, like, a mismatch between the two. Well, what's funny is I'm literally looking. I did this on purpose. I got my phone here. I'm looking at the Tim Pool report, and it's essentially like, yay, Trump is out. Uh, leftists are angry, and Trump is out back in the White House, right? And then right underneath that is Kyle Kowinski, a secular talk going, breaking, Trump grasps for air, struggles to breathe after leaving hospital. And it's just, <laughs> <laughs> which story is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely some, uh, some Brazil action going on there. For yeah, me. it's just absurd. And these are two men I trust normally, but when the Trump enters the room, mm. You got to throw your money down. You gotta back. Yeah, you're you're all in or all against. There's no in between. <laughs> oh man, he's the best, and he's back at work. Or uh, RBG. Do we have anything to say about this? I think it's just he's gonna he's nope. gonna muscle through somebody, and that is his want, and that is his ability. Considering how uh, I mean, his pick is, is great. So you know, good luck opposing her. Right. Uh, yeah. She seems to be a nice mom. Oh, no, no. The opposition is she's a terrible mom because she brought her kids with her to that super spreader event where everybody got COVID. Despite the fact, of course, that she had COVID earlier in the summer, and I think like five of her kids got it as well, so they're immune to it. But um, I actually want to jump in on on RBG, and I have followed her career for 15 years, Um, studied her as a lawyer and as a judge. And I think she was an amazing attorney and a mediocre judge for the exact same reason. And it's what a lot of people have said in the past couple of weeks. She fought for what she believed in. That's a great thing for an attorney. That's a terrible thing for a judge. Yeah, because as a judge, you're representing the institution. As, opposed as, to as a client. judge, your, your job is what is the law? What is the rule? It doesn't matter what I want the rule to be. Lawful neutral. And so insofar as she fought for what she believed in as a judge, she was a bad judge. Yeah, lawful. Maybe a good person, but a bad judge. In D&D terms, we need them to be lawful neutral so the whole thing hopefully stays lawful good. But, but the, some of the work she did when she was with the ACLU is just amazing. I mean, it, she was brilliant. Right. Some of her legal strategies, she, she wanted to get equal rights for women. So how did she do it? She found cases where men were being discriminated against. So that the all male courts would fight, say, well, that's not fair that the man's being discriminated against. Nice. So they would have to recognize that any sort of sexual discrimination by the government was problematic. It was genius. And she did it like four or five times and won every one of those cases. Okay. So I, I will miss her. I think she was a good person. Again, I think she was a fantastic attorney, even though she and I disagree on what is good or not in some cases. She was an amazing attorney. I respect her greatly as an attorney. I'm, I'm sad she died when she did. I think it was not a good thing for America that she died and started this whole fight. 
So what? Who, who's a Supreme Court justice you don't like? Roberts? Clarence Thomas. <laughs> nah. um, uh, I'm pretty sure he likes Clarence Thomas. Uh, Thomas is okay. Thomas is, he's, he's, uh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. He may be the least qualified person on the court. That's what um, I was he certainly oh, was if he was nominated. He's kind of a nothing burger. That's what I was um, it, he, was, he, you know, he was really much more of, you know, Alito, or sorry, Scalia's uh, backup. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just so. Backbencher. So, you know, so, I. Uh, Alito's the corporate Republican, right? Or is he the hardline conservative? Is he the libertarian's choice? Uh, there is no libertarian choice on the court. Yeah, they're all pro corporate. Gotcha. Um, I, I probably dislike uh, Justice Breyer the most. Not only do he and I just completely disagree on almost everything that can be disagreed upon in terms of policy, we also disagree on the proper way to interpret the law. Okay. Um, I actually really like uh, Sotomayor. I think really? She, well, she's the one person on the Supreme Court who ever actually defended somebody in criminal court. Oh. Uh, didn't do it very often, but she did it, and I think it gives her a really good perspective. And there have been several cases where she's dissented on, and there was – I forget exactly the case, but there was one case where basically Scalia wrote the opinion saying – well, why would the cop ever lie about this? Oh, wow. <laughs> and her dissent was basically like, if you need to, me to explain to you why a cop would lie, you just don't understand the world well enough. Nice. Well done. So again, she and I disagree on policy a lot, but as a judge, I actually, I have a lot of respect for her. Okay. Uh, probably Stevens and Kagan, sorry, not Stephen, uh, uh, Breyer and Kagan are the two that I dislike uh, the most as judges. So you've got um, – so what about the story about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, like her dying wish was that her seat not filled Do we have a new president? Is that just made up? I think that was made up. That sounds like somebody who didn't understand how the Constitution works making up something. And I think that RBG knows how the Constitution works. And she's actually kind of against manipulating the court. Everything that I've watched on her, she's against packing the court, manipulating the court. She seems to be at least outspoken against those things. So using it for political reasons. I mean, if she wanted to pack the court, she would have retired while Obama was in power. Right. There's also like she's, I don't know. I don't know. So Trump's going to get his way, right? He's getting barren in. That's pretty much a foregone conclusion at this point. They're not, they can't the, have it on her, huh? This COVID outbreak is actually putting things a little bit into doubt whether it's going to happen before the election. Because if enough of the Republican senators get COVID and can't show up to vote, oh, they can't get her right. nominated. Because it's really slim, right? Where they, they have like three margin of error. Correct. And, and two of them have said they're not going to vote for anybody before the election. Mm-hmm. And with two, two different ones having COVID, they can't get the 50 50 vote they would need. Now, again, if, if once those people recover from COVID, as long as none of the other senators get COVID, they'll be able to do it. Mm. But it's actually going to be really dicey to get the vote in before the election now just because of this big outbreak. Wow. Okay. So, no, then maybe. Uh, no chance of repealing Roe v. Wade with Barron? She's very, star- she's very starry decisive, right? That's her like biggest thing, right? By the way, uh, the idea that like for grandmas, the idea that whatever was settled before the court needs to stick around. We rely on previous decisions. We don't try to overturn them. 
that's stare decisis if I've got that correct. Uh, close enough. Good. Thank you. Thank you for close enough. So, so that's her big shtick, right? So she's probably not going to be the grand savior of a pro-life America, right? I, I actually don't think that's her opinion. I think she was very clear in her previous confirmation hearing as a, a justice in the appellate court that she had to follow the precedent set down by the Supreme Court. But now that she's here? If she were on the Supreme Court, I, I think she would not have a problem going against it. And interestingly, she has cited, uh, and this is true, uh, even uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg actually opposed Roe v. Wade yeah. in terms of how it was done. Mm. So like, she's one, she thinks the right to privacy is BS? No, she, she says the court overstepped. The question was, is this law against abortion constitutional? Mm, yeah. And instead of answering that question and saying, hey, we're going to strike down some laws, they jump to, we're going to strike down 99% of the laws against abortion in the country. And she actually says that's when the court really became political instead of mostly apolitical. And, and she caught a lot of heat for that when she got nominated for the Supreme Court because she wrote papers about that. Again, RBG did. And again, I, I think there's actually a legitimate legal argument that somebody could use to use that to overturn part of Roe v. Wade. Again, not the whole thing, but to say, well, you know, we really went too far with this in the past. You know, whether you like her or not, she has said her own personal morality would affect how she rules on things. There I, I think Roe v. Wade would be safe for a year or two. Would it be there in five years? I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll see. All right, guys, I think that's going to do it for this week. This has been The Patriarchy with Roger, Jip, and Sersley. And we're going to close out with this question. What's the best video game that you don't like? Maybe it's one you're supposed to like, one everybody likes, or you recognize its merits. You just don't like it. Oh, I've got two. All right, let's uh, start with Jip's two. Let's, let's give him the opportunity. One for Jip, and then we can end with one for Jip. There you go. Okay, go for it. All right, you're going to hate me for this, Roger, but um, uh, Tribes 2. <laughs> <laughs> tribes 2? Probably a, know why. Uh, well, not Tribes Vengeance, the remake that we played a bit, but the actual like old school 1990. Well, 2000. Tribes, oh, tri tribes 2 was like 2001. Was it? Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, did not like it, huh? Yeah, no. And it's, it's because of uh, there was a, a complete because it was kind of niche to begin with, and there was no decent matchmaking uh, oh. for the game. So, so you just get these guys who would spin for you, just, you yeah, out of you the just, air? <laughs> you spawn, and then you get hit by a disc immediately. You know, it's just... Yeah. Uh, Some guys, like, skiing over you at 45 <laughs> yeah. miles an hour, hits you midair with a grenade launcher, and you're like, why Why do I even try? Why, why am I even here? I get that. I mean, great, I love great that game. game, but it's you just can't get a match to save your life. Tribes One was the first game I ever played where where it jeopardized, jeopardized my work, where I would be up to like four in the morning playing, and then I'd have to like go to work into the call center and do Windows ninety five support. <laughs> it was called it was called like Star Siege or something, right? Yeah, Star Siege yeah. Tribes because they had their Star Siege game, which was like you fighting robots. Nobody like, cared cares? about that. <laughs> They're like, we well, have the spinoff game where you actually play as the people. People loved it, so that was tri Tribes Two. I played the hell out of too. So yeah, loved it. So you're wrong, 
but it's okay. No, yeah. this is the point, is that I, I admit yeah. that it is a good game, but I well, hate it. All right, seriously, what do you got? Uh, the original Ninja Gaiden for the Xbox. Oh, that's not the original, the but you mean Xbox. the original. The Xbox. Well, well, no, I, and, and I'm specifying because they made a Ninja Gaiden 2 for the Xbox and just Ninja Gaiden for the Xbox, the first one for the okay. Xbox. Too hard? Just hate it, it. It, Exactly. It basically required you to be nearly perfect and replay the same levels over and over again. It was beautiful. It was tactically brilliant. It was a good story. I only know this because I one of my roommates played it, so I got to see everything without having to spend days. It was a days. gorgeous game. Learning every single battle and every single move, and some guys love the be perfect in a game. I'm the, I got an hour to kill, maybe half an hour. I'm gonna play a game, have some fun. Right. See, I loved that game, uh, but I I beat look, I beat all three Ninja Gaiden on NES. Back I beat the second one on the NES because I owned it and I had a lot of free time. Yeah, I, I beat all three of them. Did not own all three of them, but we'd borrow games and whatever. So whenever that came out, love the difficulty, love the game. Uh, and you're wrong. And that's fine if you're wrong. I'm going to tick off any hardcore gamers or whatever here. Uh, my game is Undertale. That is mm. the game. Everybody loves Never it. Never tried it. My wife is like, you got to play this. You got to play it. The story. It's so blah, blah. And the point is, I get it. It starts you off in this super easy NES style game that subverts expectations. It seems like it's one thing, but it's another. Doesn't change the fact that the gameplay super boring. It's supposed to be because it's supposed to be one of those kind of games. Yeah, yeah. Still super boring. Oh, is it like really low effort? It's like you just yep. walk around and talk to people. Yeah, it's low effort. Walk around, push, push this rock over here, and you're gonna push the rock, and the rock's like, I don't want to be moved. Oh, oh so dude. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've never even heard of this game. But yeah, uh, it was big, a phenomenon. It's huge. Uh, but don't get me wrong; I'm sure the story's amazing. Because my wife's not easily impressed with that kind of thing. Mm. She loves it. Wants me to play it so we can talk about the story. But it's uh, it, the gameplay is just so not there. Can't take it. It's like it's like if The Witcher. Had even worse gameplay. <laughs> it's not a problem with The Witcher. It's a great game and everything except for the gameplay. I, I, don't get me wrong. I do love The Witcher. But yeah, it's Undertale. Couldn't get into it. That's mine. So, Jip, what's your what's your other one? Okay, my other one is is this one I'm actually ashamed of is um, Alpha Centauri. Um, that Sid Meier's? I hear that's totally yeah. panned. Like it was a bad game. No, it, it is it is a, a, a gem of turn-based strategy. But it is too, it's too deep for me. Like, I, I have never... You're the guy who played the Nintendo movie. I know, I know. I, play, I played Europa Universalis, etc. But... It's basically I, Civilization on steroids, right? Yeah, I, I could, I have, I have yet to finish a game of that. I just, I can't get into it. There's too much going on. Um, the tech tree especially is just so opaque. And I recognize all of these things as a failure in me, especially since I like turn-based strategy. Wow. So I, just, just weird, weird. That game came out, and I had the choice of buying that one or Dune, and I bought Dune, and I played the heck out of that Dune. Well, Dune was probably a better choice. So you're talking about the Westwood Studios Dune? Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. the RTS, mm. very yep. good stuff. So, uh, all right, this has been the Patriarchy Podcast. Uh, we will talk to you later. We're out.